This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody. Welcome back to Connor Wanders. It's time to wander. Excited. Got some good stuff going on today. Hope you're having a good day. Just making it out there. Coronavirus land. Oh, regrettably, I haven't been able to. I've been I've been kind of deep down this, this coronavirus rabbit hole and haven't had a chance to get into as much Alex Jones and InfoWars as I've wanted to uh, <laughs> the past the past week or so. But um I think I think that I'll be uh I'll be fucking around with some Alex Jones stuff soon. I think when we go into breaking down and and, and going into the state of things and what's going on um, in the world, I think that these people like Rush Limbaugh and Alex Jones who have large audiences and actually, if I was going to compare the two, who's more dangerous, Alex Jones or Rush Limbaugh? I think that Rush Limbaugh is by far more dangerous. The reason being that he, he he masquerades as somebody who's not a complete fucking dipshit, um, whereas Alex Jones is he he is right about a few things, which is interesting. It's interesting to say you know to admit that Alex Jones is wild as he is and, and he does spread some disinformation, but he kind of has this comical character that is easy to be dismissed. So so his audience is so counterculture that it, it hasn't really taken hold whereas Rush Limbaugh has has is, is a spokesperson for the 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 standard right. And hey, shit, I listened to Rush Limbaugh when I was young. It's weird. I used to be this kind of pro-life Republican born into the Republican way of thinking, oil and gas family, that kind of thing. And when I say oil and gas family, I don't mean like ExxonMobil. I mean small time own a handful of wells like that's your life fluctuates with the with the price of oil not not some kind of elitist type situation but would drive to work and listen to Rush Limbaugh and, and adopted those values because it's all I'd ever heard come to find out my my actual ethos is a, a, a lot more around um, equal treatment of people and providing a quality of life within the richest country of the world that actually makes fucking sense but you know, as I was thinking about that and, and and kind of going down the rabbit hole of what shifted my kind of political views over time, because it is you know a lot of my friends, and I don't shame anyone for this or have any hard feelings about it, but a lot of my friends from my little hometown in Texas didn't really adjust their views from what, the ones we all kind of held as 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 kids. A handful of them did. A handful of them did, and it's funny to see those guys. Uh, it, it's almost like when you make that transition away from far right, I wouldn't say far right, but right wing type of thinking into a different, maybe a more uh, progressive view, you tend to be very outspoken about it is what I've noticed. Um, and that's, it's, that's, that's, to me, that's interesting. It's like, holy shit, I see, I see and can empathize with the other side of this because I lived there and now I am shifting and I feel it's important to I mean, I've kind of already shifted, but in that process, like to to stand up for the injustice that I've experienced and been a part of, 
And I think it's important to empathize with all sides. I don't think that there, there are, there are, there are fucking dumb people on both sides of the situation. Um, and people that are naive and people that believe blatant lies, um, on both sides. And I think this, this idea that, that someone else's beliefs don't deserve the respect because they're different from yours is naive and closed minded and, and fuels divisiveness. And one thing that you'll hear me speak about is, is the divisiveness is, is a outstanding problem it is outstanding. Um, but we're going to get into some fun stuff. Oh, what I was saying, uh, uh, the things that started, sh- I started looking back at the things that started to shift my views on, on, um, on politics and, and the state of things is a lot of it was, a lot of it was humor, comedy, and, and essentially movies in a lot of ways, movies and music. Um, and that, that kind of got brought up recently because I watched team America again and Trey Parker, Matt Stone, the, the creators of South Park and the Book of Mormon and Team America, um, they do such an amazing job. And I think that they really, it, I want to say they had this, this, this big influence in my life because I was the perfect age to adopt South Park when, when it became a thing. I was like June, I was, you know, I was one of those kids in sixth grade that probably said, oh my God, you killed Kenny, you bastards, like six times a day. Like it was just, we drew the South Park characters on our, on our five-star binders. Like that was what we did. It, it was, just, it was just a huge part of our lives at the time. And at that point, I think South Park, where a lot of us started was like fart jokes and ridiculous humor. And what morphed into probably one of the most well articulated and creative ways to shit on the fuckery, <laughs> shitting on the fuckery. So also where I got this, uh, this mouth of mine. Um, was from those was, was from that kind of media, but in watching Team America and this whole idea that America has taken the responsibility of being the world's police and how the the collateral damage to the to the policing we do is 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 generally not not worth it. Um, but they do such a good job of just making fun of all sides, like they make fun of the Screen Actors Guild, they make fun of terrorists, they make fun of the of the American America's police you know, team America, it's just, it's absurd and so fucking funny, but it, it, I think humor is this really fun gateway into allowing us to uh, consider opposing views while having a light heart about it. And I think we take some of this stuff so seriously and I'm shit. I get fired up on this show. That's kind of been the whole reason I do it is because I am fired up, but there's this point where humor can allow you to, to look at something through a different lens. I think is incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. And so Thanks to uh, old Trey Parker and Matt Stone, it it has it has changed changed me quite a bit. And they're actually from uh, from my hood. They're from Evergreen, Colorado. South Park is based on Evergreen, Colorado, <laughs> which is a beautiful beautiful place that I I think I might live one day. There's only like seven thousand or nine thousand people that live there. It's, in the, it's beautiful. You can go check it out. But uh, yeah, we got a fun, some fun stuff. That's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna get into a little bit of bailouts. We're going to talk about Trump quite a bit. This is a, going to be a Trump-heavy episode, and the way he handles uh, criticism and adversity, like a like a child. Um, and I want to get into these Michigan protests because uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has has put down some pretty strict policies, um, and we'll get into that and how people have responded to that, which was a little bit outrageous. And then I want to explore this idea of 
do Democrats even really want to win? The Democratic establishment. Does the Democratic establishment even want to win in 2020? And we'll break that down. And that, that's more of just going to be essential wandering because I've got some I've got some fun thoughts there. But let's go ahead. Let's do this thing. Let's get into the state of things. All right, all right, all right, all right. Starting off, the conversation around bailouts has been a big part of the cultural zeitgeist right now. Because one thing that we have more so now than we did in 2008 is more transparency and more focus on what these these major companies are doing with the money that they receive the taxpayer money they receive in these bailouts. We talked about stock buybacks in a previous episode. And this man, now he's one of the first employees at Facebook, um, but also, and I want to give a little backstory on him because we're not going to play the full interview here, but if you listen to the full thing, he talks about he's been through four major recessions in his life. Um, two of them, he was poor when he was a child, uh, lived above a laundromat with his, with his family, um, says he didn't notice those recessions. Didn't feel them. The other two, this is after Facebook, multimillionaire slash billionaire, didn't feel the recessions. And what he talks about is that the the, the poor and the ultra wealthy are, 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 are so are beyond really the feeling of the recession in a lot of ways. They're living with minimal or they're living with so much abundance. Um, for different reasons, of course, but the 80% in the middle is really who gets hosed in this whole thing. And, and, and he breaks this down and it's so nice to hear. It's so refreshing to hear a man who knows what it's like to be on the inside of these major corporations, say how they actually function and what actually happens in a bankruptcy, which I was, I was wrong about, didn't know about. Um, his name is, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this name. I'll do my best here. Chamath Pilahapatiya. It's a fun name to say. And he's the CEO of Social Capital. And Social Capital is is a hedge fund that invests in um, businesses that have a positive social impact. And they they take a different approach than most um, hedge funds where they don't they stick with companies. They're not they're not getting early round and then buying selling out and then and, and, and cash and checks. They want to stick with companies that are gonna have a positive impact on the planet and the people on the planet for as long as it takes. That's what it says on their website. Love that. Absolutely love that. So let's go ahead and jump into this interview he had on CNBC. So this is a business channel doing business things, talking to a businessman, Jamath, the CEO of Social Capital. Let's get into it. And I think we all agree with you that more money for Main Street is needed. Maybe not in spite of the, the money to all of these companies or whatever that make up the economy as well that more money is, is, is needed everywhere, perhaps. Um, but are, are you suggesting, you keep saying propping up zombie companies. Are, are, you, are you arguing to let airlines, for example, fail? Yes. Why? I mean, how, how does that make sense in the broader scheme of, of the economy? Because it's not, because when you look at what it means, this is why I'm saying, like, this is a lie that's been purported by Wall Street. When a company fails, it does not fire their employees. It goes through a packaged bankruptcy, right? If anything, what happens is 
the people who have the pensions inside those companies, the employees of these companies, end up owning more of the company. The people that get wiped out are the speculators that own the unsecured tranches of debt or the folks that own the equity. And by the way, those are the rules of the game. That's right, because these are the people that purport to be the most sophisticated investors in the world. They deserve to get wiped out. But the employees don't get wiped out. The pensions don't typically get wiped out. Why does anybody, I just understand, why does anybody deserve, using your word, to get wiped out from a a, a crisis created like like this? How how does anybody deserve to get wiped out? Well, but, but just be clear, like, who are we talking about? We're talking about a hedge fund that serves a bunch of billionaire family offices. Who cares? Let them get wiped out. Who cares? They don't get the summer in the Hamptons. Who cares? Strong point. I mean, there are people. You, you don't think the employees. Table, on, Scott. You don't if think you the employees of these companies table, own stocks? I mean, own their stocks, what? own the company's stocks? You can, you can look on Bloomberg and you can see what percentage of these companies are typically owned by. These, these things are owned by BlackRock. These things are owned by these huge, you know, amorphous organizations, ultimately downstream. And the employee owns a few hundred dollars or a few thousand thousand dollars of shares. I just don't understand. This is like a a natural disaster. And why does anybody deserve to get wiped out? Wouldn't that be immoral in and of itself? No, because what's happening right now is what I'll tell you is on Main Street today, people are getting wiped out. And right now, rich CEOs are not. Boards that had horrible governance are not. Hedge funds are not. People are. Six million people just this week alone basically saying, holy mackerel, I don't know how I'm going to make you know, my own expenses for the next few weeks, days, months. So it's happening today to individual Americans. And what we've done is disproportionately prop up and protect you know, poor performing CEOs, companies and boards. And you have to wash these people out. Man, I just, I, I, I love, I love that take. I love that take. There, you know, this is a crisis that no one, I mean, people expected at some, at some level, but similar to the, to the, to the, the recession, 20, 2008 recession, there's, there's something to be said for the fact that these hedge funds, these CEOs are accepting the risk of their investment. Now, I don't think that you can say the same for employees of these companies at, at, at any level outside of the executive wing. I don't think that they, they need to be as accountable for the risk associated with the business as people who are, as he said, the most sophisticated investors in the world. But the, the workers aren't insulated. The hedge funds are and they're not the ones getting hosed they're actually the ones getting bailed out and i think that's that's one of the things that we're really having to struggle with here is as the 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 man conducting the interview said well there needs to be more money everywhere well that's that that's a that's a deflection from the priority like where what is the priority right and as chamath says so these people don't get to summer in the fucking Hamptons. Who cares? Exactly. And that's how most people feel. That's what's driving this progressive movement is the idea that this income inequality, this, this humongous gap that is most certainly circumstantial. They're, uh, outside of the, of the far right, there's nobody thinking that these hedge fund managers and millionaires and billionaires 
right, that, that, that pull the strings, that have lobbyists, got there by pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. Like, nobody, come the fuck on. If you actually believe that, there are some outliers, like this man who came from nothing and is now a billionaire, and I, I, I love that, right? Ramit Sethi is the, is the guy that I follow for all of my financial advice. Same type deal. And he still drives, I think he drives a Honda Accord. Very wealthy man. Um, he, 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 he took a different approach. Uh, now that's, but that's, 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 those are outliers. We like to look at those and and prop those people up as an example of the American dream or whatever, but they're outliers. Most of the people that are in these positions of, of, of extreme power were, I mean, if you want to use the word privilege, they were privileged into them, you know, and you got to be relatively smart, but we can't insulate poorly managed boards irresponsible hedge fund managers. Like why, why are they the ones that are insulated when the people that are actually making the money for them, the workers and the companies are getting fucking hosed. And this idea of a package bankruptcy that actually allows for the people who hold pensions and and the employees that have stock in the company to gain more of the company through that bankruptcy, the people who actually lose are the people that invested in high risk companies. And isn't that's the way it's supposed to go when things go to shit because you can't you can't invest on like sunshine and rainbows that's not how this works so it's an it's something to consider it's something to consider and it's it, like i said it's very refreshing to hear to hear someone um with this level of experience and knowledge in in that world which most of us the vast majority of us are on the outside looking in you know i think i have um $1600 in the stock market right now uh, thanks to stash, I put in $10 a week. And then I, I, when everything crashed, I threw in some extra money just to keep it there. Um, shouts to Tesla for, for bouncing back. That's been really great, uh, for me. <laughs> but when I say great for me, um, I think my stock value is up $230 on Tesla, which is fantastic. That's great. I love it. But it's, I'm also not, you know, that that's not, that's not the same scenario we're in. And I think I look at my position in the stock market and I think well, that's probably pretty much, that's pretty similar to any people who get, um, stock in the company that work at a place like American Airlines, right? That's that's probably similar, and that's not not nearly what we're talking about when you look upstream and see who really, who really has the 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 stake in this in these companies, and and letting people accept risk and the consequences of risk is not a problem. If you're pro capitalism, that's capitalism, and I'm not sorry for that. No one should be sorry for that. It's not a it's not a problem. That's that's the thing. That's the thing. You want to ride a motorcycle, you accept the risk of riding a motorcycle. I considered getting a, getting, getting a street bike for a while. I wanted a cafe racer. I wanted to cruise around, do the thing. And I had to have this real serious conversation with myself. Am I okay dying in this way? Am I okay dying this way? And the answer was, no, I'm not. That's not how I want to go down. So I didn't do it. Didn't pull the trigger. You know, my real, my real motivation, because I was broke at the time, was like, well, I'll do this, and I'll, I'll save gas money, and I'll, and I'll cruise around. It'll be fine. I'll, I'll miss traffic or whatever. That's not, that's, not, that's not a worthwhile reason for me, because you got to accept all of the responsibility of the decisions you make, and that's, that's where, we're, where these people shucking responsibility is, is the problem and is causing a lot of stir, and, it, and it's, it's going to keep building. It's going to keep building, and then from there, where do we go? It is what's driving that inequality, that 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 insulation of taxpayer money, 
that should by all rights in in, in many people's opinion and <sighs> belief systems, that money should fuel the populace, not the people that are that are pulling the strings. And the and the 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 driving force there is can can you or the organization you work for afford to lobby the federal government? That's what it comes down to. Main Street's getting hammered. I'm I'm I drive by the, the the local coffee shop that I go to or used to go to until until this quarantine thing happened and everything got locked down every day. And it kills me. Cause I I don't know if they're gonna make it. I don't know. I love everybody who works there and they work their asses off and 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 some of them work two jobs. Um, one, my, my favorite barista there actually works at the coffee shop and then across the street at the salon um, as a, as a uh, kind of the um, front desk girl there. So sweet. And, and to see both of these businesses be, be tanked and her lose her way of life, and she loves her job. It's so, that's what's so great about her. Is you go in there and she's like always in a good mood, always chatting us up, wanting to see the puppies, doing the whole thing. She's a fucking sweetheart, and to see and to and to personify the types of people that are getting getting screwed here by this whole thing, and then to and to know the the ultra wealthy that I happen to have have, a, have friendships with, really not giving a fuck. It's like whatever, I'll be fine. Especially when it was their 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 daddy and their mommy's money. It's a weird deal, and that's why I say it's circumstantial. So something to think about. Something to think about, definitely. And it's nice to hear some honesty from that side of the uh, of the billionaire line. Really respect respect that, and really respect what he's doing with his company, Social Capital, as well. Definitely go check them out. Um, gotta love seeing that. So, I want to highlight something that I've noticed more and more as Trump has gotten more frustrated with the media. Now he's always bitched and complained about the media, and he's. Him and his 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 MAGA nerds, the whole squad, love to cry about the media. Love to cry about the media. Okay? And it's interesting because they act like like the media attacking a president or disagreeing with a president or or having a biased view on the president is something new. But I'm old enough to remember what it was like, because my family loves to watch Fox News what it was like when Obama was president. And I will tell you, it is the same shit. Trump wants to talk about witch hunts and this whole impeachment thing. Dude, one of the major stories on Fox News for that entire four-year or eight-year period (laughs) that Obama was president was his birth certificate. Was his birth certificate. Come on. Like when the shoe is on the other foot I, I, I don't, and I don't, here's the thing. I don't see Democrats doing the same thing. I see Trump Republicans crying about the media more than anyone. When in reality, there would be no Donald Trump as president without the media. Trump's entire empire is not built on his, his business success. <laughs> his entire, his entire brand, the Trump brand is built on the media. He's biting the hand that feeds. And a lot of it's built on media controversy. So it, it, it's, it's completely naive 
to think that the media, even if they are in a way out to get him, that it hasn't served him in so many ways because it just perpetuates the same narrative that he's that people are buying into and getting people more rigidly attached to his ideas. So it, it's it's childish, and that's what we're going to go into here a, a lot. It is childish, and it is it's comical. It's comical. Now, the funny thing is, I put up uh, from from the last episode. I, I definitely ripped into Joe Biden hard. And I put that up on a few different social media outlets and, and got quite a bit of uh, attention from uh, from the Trumpers. So I'm really curious to see how 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 it feels. It's going to be a nice social experiment on my side to see how it feels uh, when the shoe is on the other foot. So what we're going to dive into here is a couple different instances in the last month that Trump has had these heated exchanges with uh, journalists with with reporters um, during his his briefings. Now. The pre the briefings might as well be the fucking Trump show. He 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 is attempting in some ways to to rewrite the last couple months, right? He, he's he's cherry picking, uh, quote unquote data. Um, and we're gonna get into it and, and kind of fact check some of the things he says because there's a typical style that he takes with the reporters that he doesn't like. And we're gonna we're gonna hear it multiple times and we're going to break it down just a little bit. So let's get into this is the first one he had. This is a, a about 2 weeks ago with Peter Alexander from NBC News. So let's let's see what he has to say here. What do you say the Americans were scared though? I guess nearly 200 dead, 14,000 who were sick, millions as you witness who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. I think it's a very nasty question, and I think it's a very bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. The American people are looking for answers, and they're looking for hope. And you're doing sensationalism, and uh, the same with NBC and Comcast. I don't call it, I don't call it Comcast, I call it Comcast. Let me just have for whom you work. Let me just say something. That's really bad reporting. And you ought to get back to reporting instead of sensationalism. Let's see if it works. It might and it might not. I happen to feel good about it, but who knows? I've been right a lot. Let's see what happens. Okay, so the people standing behind him at the, at the podium here are doing everything they can not to cringe at this completely uncalled for exchange from a fucking man-child. Okay, now what we're doing here, what we've got going on here is Peter Alexander is, of course he's going to come at him. Of course he's going to come at him, right? He throws him a softball question. He asked the president of the United States in a crisis, and at this point only 200 people had died. That's tens of thousands less than now. And there were about 15,000 cases. He asked the president, what do you have to say to the people who are scared right now? I work in media. Someone asked you a question like that. That is a soundbite, a positive soundbite opportunity if I've ever heard one. Okay? He could say whatever he needs to say to the people. You know what? The people that are scared, we're doing the best we can. We're on top of it. Um, no one really understands this thing as well as we wish we did. Yada yada yada, the whole you know the whole song and dance, like a fucking president, a leader, like a leader would have an exchange with someone who's asking him a question. Now let's be fucking clear about something here. It is not the media's job 
to agree with the president of the United States. Part of the job of being president of the United States is facing criticism, controversy, and people that don't fucking like you. Part of leadership is dealing with people who don't like you. And his lack of ability to face criticism shows up even when he's not facing criticism. He's facing his own perception of criticism because somebody works for NBC and not Fox News. And when Fox News even kind of criticizes this fucking ass clown, he's gonna, he comes after them and keeps them in line because Fox News is the Trump network. At this point, it's not news. It's opinion pieces from talking heads that agree with this, this, this arrogant, pompous child. If there's anything that's ever been a display of his narcissistic, childish behavior, it is these press conferences and the way that he, that he conducts himself when truly valid criticism is thrown his way. It is embarrassing to say the least. So just put yourself in this situation as the president of the United States. You're going to have to handle foreign leaders that you don't agree with. You're going to have to handle media that doesn't agree with you. Half the country, if not more, I mean, shit, Hillary Clinton won the most unlikable person in the world, won the popular vote by 3 million. So the majority of the country does not like you. Okay? That's the reality of the situation. I don't care if you're Obama or Bush or Reagan or FDR. A lot of people don't like you as the president. It's the nature of the beast. And for you to cry about it like a little bitch is is just beyond immature. It is beyond immature. For, so, for example, let's put me in the situation. If I was the president of the United States, I'd have to deal with the NRA and evangelical Christians. I think both of those groups are embarrassingly narrow-minded and naive and arrogant. And being naive and arrogant together is a dangerous combination. But you've got to deal with them. I don't agree with them, but you've got to deal with them. It's part of the job because you're not like everyone and everyone's not like you. It's called fucking empathy and it's called leadership. So now let's, let's continue here. We had another exchange just the other day with Paula Reed and John Carl. Paula Reed is from CBS news and John Carl is from ABC news. Oh, so let's, let's get into this. God, this is fucking embarrassing. Despite the nearly 1.8 million tests that you say the United States has done, the Inspector General for the Department of Health and Human Services released a report today, a survey of more than 300 hospitals across the country, and the number one complaint from those hospitals were severe shortages of testing supplies and well, a really long wrong. wait time. I mean, it's a week wrong. or longer. And did I hear the word Inspector General? Really? Uh, it's wrong. And they'll talk to you about it. It's wrong. But this is Government. Uh, it's well. Where did he come from, the Inspector General? What's his name? It came from the Inspector General. No, what's his name? What's I his don't name? know his name. Well, off the find top me of his my name. Head. Let me know, okay? If but, you find me his name, I'd appreciate it. But sir, these are hospitals. All I can tell you is not, this: sir, we put up on the board. You're going to ask. You're going to ask the admiral. But these are we are doing. Who say that they're waiting a week or longer fine. to get their we'll test to the results? Why but we've done more testing so and had more results than any country anywhere in the world. They're doing an incredible job. Now they're all calling us. They want our testing. What are we doing? How do you do the five-minute test? How do you do the 15-minute test? So give me the name of the Inspector General 
Could politics be entered into that? Follow up on, on this question of the HHS Inspector General. And by the way, her name was Christy Grimm. And it wasn't so much her opinion, but they interviewed uh, 323 different hospitals. Well, it still could be her opinion. Uh, when was she appointed? When was she appointed? Uh, I'm not sure when she was appointed. Would you do me a favor? Let I'll, me know. I'll, I'll check. No, no, let me know now. I have to know now, John. Let me know now. Because is, we are doing an incredible job in testing. Uh, we are doing a better job than anybody in the world right now in testing. There's nobody close. And other nations admit this. Other nations have admitted it very strongly. Other nations are calling us, wanting to know about our testing. Let me know when she was appointed, would you? But specifically, ahead, what please. she was saying was that there had been a delay in the OK, thank you very much. How long has that person been in government? Could I uh, did serve in the previous administration. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Oh, I see. You didn't tell me that, John. You didn't tell me that. This is so funny. Serve in the previous administration. You mean the Obama administration. Thank you for telling me that. See, there's a typical. Fake news deal. You asked now, me when look, she was appointed. Look, I told you when she was appointed. You're a third-rate reporter, and what you just said is a disgrace, okay? You asked me, you said, sir, just got appointed. Take a look at what you said. Now, I said, when did they, when did this person, how long in government? Well, it was appointed in the Obama administration. Thank you very much, John. Thank you very much. You will never make it. As a Okay. Okay. This is, I love this. I love this because I hate this so fucking much. This fucking joke of a human being, joke of a human being does not answer. Notice he doesn't answer the question. Now what was happened? What has happened here is Christy Grimm ran a survey for 323 hospitals and they listed out their primary issues. Again, extremely valid question. Extremely valid question. And what Trump does, his pattern when dealing with criticism or reporters and all when he doesn't know the answer, doesn't want to answer a question, is to try and discredit them immediately. So he asked them a question, a loaded question that they don't really even need to know the answer to. They don't have they don't have any obligation to know the answer of when she was appointed, which administration, it doesn't matter. We're talking about health and human services here. Okay? That's a nonpartisan group. Now, what she did was surveyed these hospitals and brought up their primary concerns. That is something that the president of the United States needs to have some kind of respect for and needs to have some kind of answer for. Even if it's just like the answer I listed above, even if the answer is, hey, this thing has gotten out of control quick. We made some mistakes. We're doing the best we can. That's all you need to say. Now, he attacks her for working in the Obama administration, but she was appointed, or she got her, her original job with Health and Human Services in 1999, okay? Just during the Bush administration. And then was appointed to her job, now her current job, by the Trump administration in January of 2020. So when you fact-check this motherfucker, when you fact-check him, which is his kryptonite, fact-checking is Donald Trump's kryptonite. Don't get me wrong here you see that he was criticizing a person that was appointed by his administration for having existed in her job during the Obama administration. It's a joke. It is a joke. This is the, the antithesis of leadership. And the way that he comes in after these questions are asked to him and tries to, to belittle and discredit Reporters who are asking extremely valid questions because they're not praising Donald Trump. King Donald Trump. 
hey, I know you're I know you're the best president we've ever seen. The economy was fantastic or whatever the fuck. No, they're not saying that. They're not prefacing that. They're not Fox News. They have no obligation to do that. They have no obligation to agree with you, to side with you, to praise you. You have an obligation as the president of the United States to be a leader. And Trump is not a leader. Trump has never been a leader. Trump is used to people surrounding him because he was born with a silver spoon to a wealthy family, a wealthy and powerful family. He's used to people telling him what he wants to hear. It is a key trait of a narcissist. This, what you're seeing right now is narcissism at its, its, its peak. This man is so used to hearing only what he wants to hear that he can't even pretend to have simple respect and dignity for other people. He is so used to hearing what he wants to hear and be able to say whatever the fuck he wants to say, he has no idea what leadership is. He has no idea how to conduct himself in a respectful way. It is a joke. There have been certain presidents that are leaders, and I don't agree with all of them. Reagan was a leader. Bernie Sanders is a leader. Obama is a leader. FDR, a leader. Joe Biden's not a leader. Trump is not a leader. George W. Bush is not really a leader. You can see it in the way they handle themselves. What America is so thirsty for right now is leadership. We are, we are just parched for leadership because we have, a fu- I can have conversations with children that conduct themselves better than this fucking jabroni. What do you think gives you the right to dodge questions that you have every reason in the world to answer? What do you think you're doing? Not only that, you, you've made completely irresponsible statements over the last two months that have, that have all likely, in all likelihood killed people. There's still people behaving in, in ways that are completely irresponsible because they're still buying into the narrative that you were selling two months ago. Because it's a complete lack of respect and empathy for others. It is textbook narcissism. Now, I can say that anybody who thinks they should be president of the United States probably has a little seed of narcissism in there. But at least you can conduct yourself with some form of respect for people. At least for their livelihood. At least for their lives. And we haven't gotten that with Trump. Ever. Not once. It is embarrassing. And now these Trump fucking nerds, these MAGA hat-wearing douchebags, or crying about the left media. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Because if the shoe was on the other foot, you'd be like, yeah, Obama's birth certificate. Where's he at? He was born somewhere else. Shut the fuck up. Do you think anybody needs that? Do you think that you're doing anybody any favors? You're fueling divisiveness. You are no better than the biased left. And the biased left is no better than the biased right. Fueling divisiveness helps no one. No one. This is this is beyond reprehensible. It's your fucking job. 
I know you're not, you know, Donald Trump, I know you don't know what it's like to have a job. I know what you don't know what it's like to have criticism. I know you've, you've paid for your friends and you've surrounded yourself with fucking yes, men your entire life. I get it. I've been around people like that. Hell, I've been guilty of that a little bit myself. But I'm not the president of the United States. And you are. And it would, do, it would do everyone and even yourself a favor. Do everyone and yourself a favor here. And learn what the word empathy means. And conduct yourself with respect. The bar is pretty fucking low for you, dude. We have set the bar so low for you. And you continue to disappoint all of us. Except for your niche group of white delusional men. This is, this is one, the, oh God, this just drives me fucking up the wall. Answer the questions. It's nobody's responsibility to praise you. You don't deserve that much praise. Honestly, you could have done a better job. Well, it would be nice to hear you say is that I could have done a better job. I was operating off the information I had. I had to make difficult choices. Not all of them were right. But I, we're doing the best we can here. And this is something that no one really knows how to handle properly. But this idea that we're doing, we're doing the most testing. We're doing this and that. That's the same thing as a fire department saying, oh, we're putting out the most fires ever. And no one thinks to ask the question, why are there so many fires? Is that helpful? Is that really what we need? Is that leadership? Accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. And then maybe you end up in a situation where even people on the left can look at you and say, you know what? I don't like this guy. I don't agree with his policies. But at least he's acting respectful. At least he's trying to be respectful. <sighs> we need leadership in this country. We need leadership. And just because you're a leader doesn't mean that I agree with all your policies. I think Reagan was a great leader, like I said, and I don't, I don't agree with what he did. I think the war on drugs campaign was completely ridiculous. Not to mention if you, if you get into all the back behind the scenes thing and without how his administration fueled the, the crack epidemic in this, in this country, like that's, there's some shady shit that's going on. I don't agree with all of Obama's like policies and the way he, he, he went about governing. But there is something about someone who, who, who holds themselves in a respectful way. And, and that's something that this, this country could do with a lot more, a lot more of, a lot more of. It's fucking sad. It's sad. Now, I want to continue on this, on this kind of, this, this trajectory we're talking about with, with Trump followers buying into what he has to say about about this whole coronavirus situation. And there's just a couple things. So what we have right now going on in Michigan, this was, this was two days ago. So they, they, they staged this kind of right-wing media outlet in, in Michigan, staged this, this protest, this in-vehicle. It was supposed to be an in-vehicle protest. They called it Operation Lockdown. Now, Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer is a Democrat, which I think is kind of the, 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 the key to this whole thing. And she's also been uh, kind of thrown into the pool of potential vice presidential candidates for Joe Biden. So she had, she put out this this stay at home order which was pretty aggressive pretty aggressive so um 
Some key parts of that were no gatherings of any people who were not part of a single household, no travel to in-state vacation or second homes. Um, large stores can only have four customers in every 1,000 square feet uh, of customer space, and they must close all areas dedicated to carpeting, flooring, furniture, garden centers, plant nurseries, and paint, uh, and no motorboat or jet ski use. Um, I think it's pretty cold in Michigan right now, so I don't know why the people be on jet skis, but you know, it could be, they're pretty wild up there. So who knows now I want to, I want to talk about a few of these that actually make sense. The no gatherings of any people that are not part of a single household. That makes sense. That's pretty standard. Everybody in the country is dealing with that right now. Um, the no travel to in-state vacation homes. I think the reason she did that, and this, here's the thing, Michigan has the third highest death rate and much lower population than anywhere else in the top two, the top five, really. It's not a very highly populated state, but they have the third highest death rate. Death rate. So she's she's putting these strict regulations on because of that reason. If that wasn't the case, these would not be a thing. This isn't her biting for attention um, to show her her assertiveness so that she could be a vice presidential vice presidential nominee. So, looking at this thing, you know, no travel to in-state vacation homes or second homes. I think she's just trying to keep people out of gas stations and out of, you know, driving to a different place, getting groceries for a different home, like just being irresponsible. All right. The large stores, I don't understand necessarily why she, she wanted, they decided to close down the, the, the areas of the store dedicated to carpeting, flooring, furniture, garden centers, plant nurseries, or paint. Um, my thought there is that a lot of these stores may be running on, on uh, very low staff. So they're keeping it to bare essentials. Um, but people were outraged about it. I think it's as much because she's a Democrat as because she is, um, because of the rules. I think if it was, if it was Donald Trump came on and said these same rules, I don't think we, I guarantee you would not have the same problem. And this is, this is a part of the, a part of the problem. This is a part of the problem because these right wingers don't want a democratic governor. They're going to find any excuse to attack this woman. So it makes sense. And no, the reason there's no motorboats or jet skis, again, I think a lot of it has to do with gas stations. You can be on a non-motorized boat, canoe, kayak, but I think a lot of it is just trying to keep people from having to interact and put their hands on a gas pump or spread this in any way. So it's it's just, it seems reasonable and it's a short-term thing. This isn't, this is, the idea is that you, the more aggressive you are with these regulations in the short term, the less you have to be in the long term. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, but I want to play uh, just, uh, they had some interviews. Of course, they were reporting on this. So this is from um, WXYZ TV in Detroit. Is uh, had, a, had a couple interviews that I found pretty uh, pretty interesting. And I'm going to play those right now. Where are you from? What's your name? And what brought you here? My name is Mike Parrish. I'm from Bellevue, Michigan. And I'm for freedom. What brought you here? Why did freedom. you want to be part of this? Well, because I'm a veteran and I support uh, the Republican Party and Donald Trump. Very good. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Stay safe. Let's talk with this gentleman with the... Okay, so there he's a veteran and he reports uh, um, supports the Republican Party and Donald Trump. That's why he's out there. So explicitly, the reason he's out there is because of the statements of Donald Trump. He doesn't like this woman. There's an outrage. And not to mention... What they're doing right now is a large gathering of people, and most people aren't staying in their cars. There's people on, on, the, on the steps of the Capitol building yelling and screaming with megaphones, 
causing a complete shit show. The whole place is locked down. I mean, they, they achieved their goal of gridlock. That's for sure. This Operation Gridlock thing worked out for them in, in, in a way. Um, and it, it's it's interesting. And a lot of these people have, have small businesses that are getting really hammered right now. I understand that. And at the same time, they want to reopen this economy. But I don't. I, I think that helping support small businesses that survive is a federal government issue. Like that's their president, right? That's their person. That's their their champion, the champion of these this 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 large crowd of white people. <laughs> is, their champion is Donald Trump. He has he has power to help them. And he, if, if he believes it's the right thing to do, then he'll do it. But they're, they're, they're scapegoating this woman, and it is, it, it's embarrassing. But this one, this guy right here that we're about to hear from is my favorite. Let's, let's see what he has to say. The signs, they say, end the lockdown, open Michigan, stop the tyranny. Who are you? Where are you from? Hi, my name's Tracy Cross. I'm from White Cloud, Michigan. Uh, we came down, and uh, we just want to end the lockdown and uh, use some common sense and uh, get things back to normal. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just crazy some of the stuff that's happening here. I've never seen anything like it. Um, You're out here without a mask, without gloves. You feel safe? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Um, so most Christians, we don't believe in, in uh, living in fear. You know, God's in control of everything. And uh, we, we just want to show our faith and, and get things back to normal. <laughs> This fucking guy is walking around carrying two signs with no no mask on, no gloves on, talking about stopping the tyranny. And his defense against the coronavirus is his Christianity. <laughs> Oh my God. This is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like this is the guy was dead serious. The guy was dead. He's bathed in the blood. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my God. We're supposed to trust this motherfucker's judgment. Like this is <laughs> this guy, this guy, really? You're out here with no protective gear on. Well, I'm a Christian. We don't believe. Oh, by the way, he was speaking for all of you Christians out there. <laughs> oh, stop the tyranny. <laughs> Fucking white people are crazy. White people are crazy and they're just so butthurt. How about this? How about this? If you're uh, uh, um, if if Trump is the champion, if just say the Republican Party is the champion of Christians, why do you have a Democratic governor? If God's will is being played out right now, if God's will is 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 upon us and it it's raining down on us right now, then why the fuck do you have a Democratic governor? Why is this happening? Maybe her decisions were God's will, motherfucker. Maybe God's will doesn't agree with you. Maybe a lot of the people who have died from this virus already were Christians too. Have you thought about that? Has that crossed your little fucking pea brain mind? Is that, is that, was that even on your radar? That if you have this belief that God's plan is playing out, 
then why the fuck are we in this situation in the first place? It's so naive and so silly. It's such a fucking silly fairy tale. And many, many people believe this stuff. Lots of people. I've heard tons of people be like, oh, I don't need to worry about it because I'm bathed in the blood. <laughs> Christians are such fucking... Oh, my God. And, and you expect, you expect the people who don't... <laughs> you expect the people who are non no, who are not religious or have any other faith to not laugh at you. That's the funny part. Like that guy said that with no irony. He was just he was with it, man. He is he was with it. And he's just butt hurt. He's just butt hurt. These are the these 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 Trumpers are just a special breed of stupid. It is wow. I mean, there's some that aren't. There are definitely some that aren't. But goddamn, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. <laughs> and not to, not to mention, not to mention the president. <laughs> the president fucked Stormy Daniels uh, while he was married. <laughs> The, the, the fact that these fucking people have championed this orange oh, <laughs> whoremonger. <laughs> I mean, I'm I think prostitution should be legal, and that uh, you know if 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 Donald Trump wants to wants to pay for a little alone time with Stormy Daniels, he has every right to do so. That's not the problem. But the fact that you're the same people who teach abstinence only education and are get mad whenever evolution gets brought up in elementary schools <laughs> have championed this man who fucks porn stars <laughs> and hangs out with Jeffrey Epstein. Oh my god. Ah, oh, this is just it's you can't write this shit. You cannot write this shit. Oh my god. Oh fuck, I needed that. That's funny. Oh, oh, white people are fucking crazy, man. White people are crazy. Oh, good stuff. Well, that is the state of things, everybody. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. Oh, man. Let's just go ahead and jump right into, uh, let's jump into, let's jump into the rundown. All right, all right, all right, all right. The rundown. Oh, yeah. Got my warm beverage over here. I just laughed myself into a coughing fit. <laughs> oh, I'd rather have laugh-induced coughs than, than Rona-induced coughs, that's for sure. So I, want, I want to play with this idea that we've been going for a while now because there's just so much stuff and there's just there's too much content out there for me to make a show about everything. But um, we've got some great things coming up, um, particularly Obama endorsing Biden. I want to break that down quite a bit because it's interesting. But first, kind of in that vein, 
I just want to play with this idea here and, and put it out there for, for all of you listening to, to just ponder a little bit. And I don't have definitive answers here. Um, I don't think anybody does. But I, I, I keep coming, a, kind of circling around this idea of do the Democrats even want to win the election? And I, I kind of heard somebody say it this way. I was watching uh, the Majority Report. Um, great YouTube channel, by the way. If you're a progressive and, and you're curious about that, um, no, I, like I said, I try and I try and consume media from Ben Shapiro. Even think I, I think he's kind of a, kind of a, a tool, um, and even Fox News to some extent, and as well as MSNBC and the Young Turks and The Hill and Joe Rogan and and Kyle Kalinsky at Secular Talk. Like I, re, I like to I like to see where everybody stands and and try and I'm definitely biased, but I definitely want to create as, as well rounded of a view as I can. But I, I keep sensing that Democrats don't really want to win this thing. I really don't think they do. And, and someone brought up on the majority report, it's not like they don't know how to win. It's been laid out for them. They've got so much data. The DNC has, has so much information, but it's not like they, they want to win. And I think that really does feel like it makes everything that's happened in the past several months make a lot more sense. You know, I, I think that they either, they want to win in their way. They want to win in the way that they would like to see things continue going or they don't want to win at all. Right. And, and it, it's this, this complete lack of respect for the progressive movement that, that really gets me thinking like this, like you have a, a large portion of of the of the of this country that that is really i mean at this point the majority of people are, are support a medicare for all plan or a single payer health care plan like it is just it's it's the direction we're going we're going to get there like do you want to be on the right side of history or not and i think you know the majority of people think that the, the insurance companies having as much influence and the pharmaceutical companies have as much insurance on the or as much influence on the price of of of, of healthcare services and pharmaceuticals. I don't like to call them medicine, but pharmaceuticals, like the, the, the way that they price gouge with these things is, is not okay. This surprise billing situation, like, and, and I've, I've been through this quite a bit. I used to get a lot of blood work done. And, um, when I was a competitive athlete and just to check, check and see where my hormones were and make sure, you know, my sleep was on point and, and trying to keep myself dialed in, I'd get, I would get a bill from LabCorp that I wasn't, that was not disclosed to me for 700, 800, $1,200. For a blood test, just to test my basic sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, um, free testosterone, like this, just seeing what just getting, or even to getting an STD test would cost at least $300. Even if you went to, even if you went to Planned Parenthood, which was kind of a hard thing to do because it is, they're pretty slammed and underfunded. You're still paying a couple hundred dollars for an STD test. That stuff should be free. If not minimally, minimal cost, maybe 25, 30 bucks. That's just being a responsible adult. Getting that checked out if you're having if you have multiple multiple partners and that's something that is an atrocity and there's businesses popping up, one of which is uh, about to be a show sponsor, um, called Let's Get Checked, but uh, stay tuned for some uh, for more info from them. But they they have straightforward pricing and at home testing for all of these things. Uh, so I look at this and I think okay, um, it just doesn't seem like the Democrats want to win. They they either want to leverage the Trump 
a presidency for more media views, and that's where that's what it comes down to to me. I think if you if you if you elect a Bernie Sanders, and, and I was very aggressively pro Bernie for for the last five or six years, I've been about it, and I think that that was one of those things where if you think about it, if you draw this conclusion where Bernie was going to make it a, his number one priority to reform uh, healthcare, he had a lot of other things he wanted to get done, but it seemed like that was, that was really his platform that he was running on. And we all know that you don't have absolute power. Trump thinks he does, but you don't have absolute power when you get into office. So you could see that he was going to focus on this single payer healthcare plan, which in all likelihood, once it got through the bipartisan system was going to be um, a single payer option um, in a step in the right direction, I feel. And he was going to put some serious regulations on uh, insurance and pharmaceutical companies all of which made a ton of sense to me and a lot of people. But the media narrative, and you got to think about this, the media narrative was so anti-Bernie and who can beat Bernie? Who can beat Bernie? Who can beat Bernie? Not how can Bernie win? How can Bernie beat Trump? What do the polls say? He was obviously the most electable um, and he's sharp. He's old, but he's sharp. And what I saw, you know, happening was if you get a Bernie presidency, you could probably get four years of Bernie and then whoever his vice presidential candidate was, because he is older, would step up. And that's why he wanted a, a VP that was very much in line with his politics. It makes a ton of sense because um, there's a high likelihood he wouldn't make it eight years. And that, I think that's OK, but it's a step. In, it was to me, it was a step in the right direction. So when you really take a step back and look at this, well, even if it doesn't matter if you're CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, if you watch those channels, you're getting ads for pharmaceutical companies every commercial break, and those are often. So if those are the people that are funding the, these, these companies, you got to know they don't want a Bernie Sanders, right? They don't want someone who, who wants a Medicare for All program. You just don't, they, they, those, those, maybe the individual pundits on the shows don't have those beliefs, um, but they're paying their bills. So I look at this and think ratings are high. Ratings are high on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, CBS, like whichever one, whichever news channel you want to go down because Trump is such a shit show, such a, such a dumpster fire. It's like a train wreck. You can't look away. So there's a lot of the ratings are up on these shows. The ratings are up. Ad sales are up. And if you look at that, and, and I consider the Democratic media a part of the Democratic establishment. Not just the DNC, but it's the media that that perpetuates their their message. So I look at that and I say, well, it doesn't really make it. Them having a, um, an actually progressive candidate or even a progressive president doesn't really do them any favors. It really doesn't. And it, it's it's this kind of unfair power structure that we have that that has really painted us into a corner because I don't think those networks exist at the same level without funding from pharmaceutical companies. And I think that Trump gets eyeballs on their shows. And that's a big part of this. That is a big part of this. So a part of me thinks you put Joe Biden up there. If he wins, great. You know, you get, you get the candidate that's going to do what you're, you're bidding. He's kind of an empty suit. Um, I've taken to calling him kind of a vanilla douchebag here. Um, his policies, you know, he wanted to he wanted to cut veterans benefits, wanted to cut Social Security. I mean, and I think cutting veterans benefits, which are already pretty atrocious, uh, is 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 one of the most un-American things that you can do. It's sad. 
Those are the people that are actually putting their money where their mouth is and dying for this idea of freedom. And really what they're doing is dying for oil. Dying for oil. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. So there's been some very, what I consider un-American uh, positions by, by Biden. That's why I don't want to vote for Biden. I'm, 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 I'm 80% sure I'm going to leave, the, leave that box blank. But I do want to vote down ballot. And I think that with the Trump administration for four more years, you're going to see more people get outraged. You're going to get more Democratic governors in many states. You're going to get more senators and Congress, congressmen and women that are Democrats because you're, going to, you're, you're just going to leverage the outrage, which is actually a very smart thing to do. If you leverage, if you can turn, right, if you look at Ryan Holiday's kind of stoic philosophy book, uh, The Obstacle is the Way, if you turn Trump into the catalyst for the House and Senate being Democratic in the next four years, he can't really do all that much besides be Trump, <laughs> besides be a character. It turns it into a real reality show at that point. I mean, he still has the, 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 the nuclear codes or whatever, but it's interesting to see and consider maybe the Democrats either want someone like Biden, who is is a nobody at this point, um, loosely attached to the to the Obama administration. We'll get into that more in some future episodes. But I really I don't think that the Democrats care either way. The Democratic establishment, the DNC, the higher ups, the people who may actually make these decisions, I don't think they care either way. They it, it's a win win for them. Now they look silly, they look comical, but people have short memories with this stuff. Everybody's done it. They made a lot of mistakes, but the way they've conducted themselves is not the way you conduct yourselves if you want to win. It seems quite the opposite. So if you look at the evidence and the actions, if you follow the actions, what do the actions tell you? They tell you that the Democrats don't really care if they win or not. The Democratic establishment, now the Democratic populace and the progressive populace, of course they care. They're supposed to care. But how long are they going to care if you don't fucking care? Because you got to make that money. You got to get paid. It's sad. It's frustrating. It's just something that I think is worth thinking about for yourself. And to me, that, that kind of thinking is what gives you a more well-rounded approach, whether you're Democrat or Republican or independent or progressive, um, Libertarian, even like like consider these things. Consider these things on, on all sides. Bounce it around in your head. Hold conflicting beliefs. Hold conflicting beliefs within yourself, and, and don't dogmatically. Don't dogmatically grasp on to ideas that that only benefit your self interest. Like really try and connect outside of yourself with who is impacted by. By these, by these policy decisions. And a lot of that is run by the media. And, and to me, I don't really think the media cares all that much. I think they really enjoy, and we have a negativity bias. Evolutionarily, we have a negativity bias. We love to see the negative. It's a big part of human nature. And people love to see the, love to see the train wreck, man. They just can't look away. And I think that, that fuels, that's kind of the last dying breath, in my, unless something major changes over the next four years of the media. 
of these insurance companies. I mean, and that's why I don't want to vote and I don't mind four more years of Trump, even though, you know, the one thing that gives me a lot of pause is climate change. Um, and I think that the, the responsible thing to do for his administration is to outsource that to people like Elon Musk, who are very involved in that. who are very involved in actually creating a, a positive change and not pretending like he knows what the fuck he's talking about. And backing off of this coal and this fossil fuels stroke off, like this is just ridiculous. And 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 saying things like windmills cause cancer, and we're we're gonna get into some of the gaffes of on Trump's side on this show because it's it's just too easy and too fun not to. But the real the real kind of product of, of the rundown this time around is I just want you to think about: Are the Democrats, the Democratic establishment? acting like they want to win or even if they care. It's a worthwhile question to ask yourself. Do some research, play around. Let that be your thought experiment until uh until the next episode of Connor Wanders. Y'all, I think thank y'all so much for hanging out, jumping on jumping on this bandwagon. If you have any thoughts, if you want to share something with me, you can find me um on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. <laughs> At Connor Wanders, um, would love to engage. Would love to engage. Listen, here's the thing. I, I'm not. I'm doing my best not to judge people for their ideas. I'm going to be a dick. That's kind of that's kind of my thing. Um, that's me being me. Um, but at the same time, bring me well-rounded ideas. Put them out there. Shoot me a DM. Um, we're gonna add in live calls on this show soon. Uh, that's gonna be really really fun. Um, I've got I'm, I'm grateful enough to have and blessed enough to have these technology that I can I can take live calls on on live on the live on the uh, live on the show. Uh, there's a lot of logistics that go into that, and we're working through some of that. But I really appreciate uh, the support. Um, there's somebody out there that you want to share the show with? Please do it. Somebody sent it to their to their dad, <laughs> which I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> I think he's a I think he's a he's a he's a Trumper guy, but um, or maybe he's a Biden guy. I don't know, but uh. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But if you love this show, please drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Share it with some friends. Um, and again, if you have anything that you want to share with me, anything you want to put out in the world, um, shoot me a DM on on, um, on Twitter, Instagram. Find me on TikTok. I'm putting up a, a little clips of the show on there as well. It's a pretty fun platform for all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I think that does it for us. This has been super fun. Love you guys. And uh Stay safe out there. Keep thinking. Bye.